0: Live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be back together.
0: I know. It's so good to see you. I always enjoy our conversations together. And uh, for those (laughs) who are listening in, this is Richard Capriola. He has been a mental health and addictions counselor for over two decades And in 2020, he published a book for parents called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. And it also comes with a workbook. So Rick, welcome back to Momnificent.
1: Thank you. you. And
0: uh, help us, uh, our listeners today, uh, know where you are tuning in from.
1: I'm just outside of Houston, Texas.
0: Texas. How do you not have the accent? The southern accent?
1: (laughs) Because I'm originally from Illinois.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Everybody knows that, right? When you go out on the street, they're like, this guy's not from around
1: here. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I think
0: (laughs) (laughs) I took one training in the South one time for like three days. And I literally had like a slight accent by the time I came back, like it was bad. (laughs) 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 And um so Rick, here's the fun question I always love asking. What's one thing that you've done recently that maybe you haven't done for a while that's just brought you joy lately?
1: Oh, my gosh, you know, I really haven't ventured out into too many things. I've been spending a lot of time working on this book and, 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 and doing interviews. Um, uh, I really, really haven't. I, I'm looking forward to doing some more traveling, and that'll be new, uh, and going to some new places. Um, we recently went to uh, Fort Lauderdale, which was a new place for us. Uh, so that was that was nice. We, we really like it down there by the ocean.
0: Yeah, I love it. That's one of my one of my, my favorite spots as well, um, and always near the water and palm trees, my yeah. favorite palm trees <laughs> in that warm weather. Well, all the best in your upcoming travels. Thank I you. You have time to take time for yourself and enjoy. So, Rick, you and I were talking about two topics to kind of go over today, the first being teen substance abuse. And I know you've got um, new data that's coming out that can help us understand what, what's what been happening. And then um, an emerging problem, teen gambling. So maybe you can start us off by helping our listeners with, with one of these first questions here uh, to help us understand what does teen substance abuse look like?
1: Well, I think it looks like you know, a disruption in the child's life, um, depending on how severe it is, of course, uh, it can it can produce some significant changes in in the child in terms of their behavior, their attitude. Um, you know, the, the, just basically getting involved in more and more uh, substance abuse activities, and if it's not caught early, it can escalate and become a really serious problem that that child can can carry into adulthood. Uh, but some of the classic warning signs are changes in a child's behavior. Parents are pretty good at knowing their child's behavior. They probably know their child's behavior better than anyone. Uh, So I always advise them to pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. Don't assume that it's just normal adolescent acting out behavior. It might very well be that, but it might be a sign that there's something else going on underneath the surface. So parents need to pay attention to the changes that they see in their child. Things like declining grades. Uh, A child who used to participate in extracurricular activities or sports no longer enjoys doing so. A child who used to introduce you to their friends now becomes very secretive of their friends. Uh, A child becomes very secretive of where they've been and what they've been doing. Um, And then, of course, if you find any paraphernalia around the house. But but a general rule is just pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. Be a little curious as to why those changes are happening. They may or may not not be related to 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 drug use. But I think uh, anytime we see a change in our child, a significant change, an ongoing change, then I think it should sort of alert us that maybe we need to inquire a little bit deeper as to what's causing the changes that we're seeing. Some of it may be drug related, some of it might be a number of other issues as well.
0: And as a counselor, maybe a parent hears that their child's using, maybe they find out from someone else. possibly, right? Or Mm -hmm. it might not just be so blatantly obvious. So what what would you say a step a parent could take or a question or how do they even... Just address their child if they hear from someone else that 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 their child's involved in it and yeah. or uh, they notice something and now they're gonna have to like somehow confront their child like what's your best approach with that for parents?
1: Well, I think the first thing you do is have a conversation with your child and and by that, I mean you don't threaten them. you don't argue with them, you don't punish them. You come at it from a curiosity point of view. I, I'm seeing these changes. I'm curious as to what's going on. Can you help me understand it? Or I'm scared that you might be using substances. Can you help me understand why I'm feeling so scared? So so the focus is on you, not on the child. And you're inviting the child to come into a discussion with you, a conversation with you as to how you are feeling uh, about what you're observing or what you're concerned with, and then get feedback from that child. Now, Quite honestly, that's a conversation that's probably going to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and become an argument, or you might learn some things. But, but regardless of how those first conversations go, if you're still concerned as a parent, the next thing you need to do is get some assessments done from professionals that can advise you as to whether or not there's a problem going on, how severe it is, uh, and, and if it needs to be treated, what kind of treatment options are the best. You can begin that process by talking to the school counselor. Uh, the school social worker, uh, the school psychologist, the school principal, uh, because many times some of them can do some of these initial assessments, uh, or if not, they can refer you to professionals in the community who can do these assessments. Uh, But but it's really important that if you're concerned your your child might be using a substance, that you get some professional assessments done so you can either rule it in or rule it out and, and get the treatment if needed, because the earlier you intervene, it's like anything else with the earlier you catch a problem and intervene and provide treatment, the more likely you are to get beyond it successfully.
0: Hmm. I love those two things you said, just be curious. That's such mm-hmm. a great word to take that approach of curiosity. And uh, that favorite question that is also a favorite of mine, like help me understand. And it just is a very, a very non um kind of it's, it's just just a very relaxed approach. So hopefully that gives the opportunity for your child to feel safe to share exactly. they, that um you know which our tendency might be to like yell or get upset or be like how could right. you or I didn't raise you this way or all those things above. Um, but but being curious and help help me understand, I think that's 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 a really good way to put it. Um, so um if if a parent's listening And maybe their child or they know of a child who has been using or abusing drugs, alcohol, (laughs) vaping, uh, you name it. How can you help them understand today? Maybe can their brain redevelop after substance abuse?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, because what we do know is that our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves. But parents need to understand that the adolescent brain is in the process of maturing and developing. Our brains don't become fully developed until around age 24 or 25. And that's why it's so important that as parents, we help our child understand the importance of protecting that brain. And anytime you introduce a substance, whether it's a marijuana or vaping or alcohol or any, any illicit drug, you run the risk of doing some, some damage to that developing brain. Now, as parents, you might not notice those changes because they're often very very subtle changes going on in the brain, uh, but they can have long term uh, uh, effects. Uh, uh, the example that I would that I would share with you is that when I was working at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, and treating adolescents who were smoking a lot of marijuana. Uh, the the psychological tests that came back on those children showed that the processing speed of their brain was below average, their short-term memory was impaired, and their attitude was, uh, their behavior, their motivation was was very low. Now, some of these changes, like a processing speed of the brain and the short-term memory, might not be readily observable by the parent, but they're just examples of what's going on underneath the surface and the importance of protecting that child's developing brain so that it does not, incur any damage as a result of introducing drugs to it. Now, if drugs are introduced to it and the, and the person has treatment and gets beyond it, we know that our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves. So even if a child is using a substance, once they enter treatment, they stop using, then the brain starts to heal itself.
0: Oh, that's such good news, right? Because yeah. it kind of gives them hope. It's not like, well, they did that and now there's no coming back. Yeah. Like they're They're really right. like is, is is the possibility the brain our bodies are incredible aren't they yes uh so Rick last year you and I went over some data that you shared of the the, the substance abuse of use yeah. of kids pre-pandemic um during the pandemic and um yeah why don't you walk us through some of that that those statistics
1: yeah prior to the pandemic what we had seen was a pretty stable percentage of kids that have been using mostly alcohol and marijuana those are the two primary drugs that kids are attracted to that teenagers seem to 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 be attracted to the most, and the percentage of kids that had been using those substances remained fairly constant for for years and years and years, um, primarily using alcohol and marijuana. but prior to the pandemic, what we did notice was a dramatic increase in vaping vaping nicotine and vaping marijuana for three years prior to the pandemic. Those percentages of kids that were getting involved in in vaping things like marijuana and nicotine was just skyrocketing It was a dramatic increase. Then the pandemic comes along. Well, what happens? Kids are at home. Kids have pulled away from school, doing online learning, pulled away from their activities and their social activities, their sports activities and their peer groups. So what happened? Substance abuse declined, declined significantly across the board. Now we have data that just came out in December about what happened to teenage substance use a year after the pandemic. And what we found was that there was a rebound. There was a rebound and an increase in kids In going back to using substances, still not to the pre-pandemic level, but starting to increase. Um, We'll know, obviously, in a few more years, if that trend of increasing use continues, or has it stabilized. It's still not back to what it was pre-pandemic, but it is increasing. And the one substance that increased the most after the pandemic was alcohol use. Uh, so it appears that the pandemic had very little, if any, long-lasting effect on teenagers drinking alcohol. There are some increases in the other drugs, marijuana, uh, vaping, uh, but again, not back to the pre-pandemic level. So it might be too soon to, to, to make a judgment as to whether we're going to return to the pre-pandemic level or not. I suspect we may we may get. In that direction
0: and what do you think it is that's going to help these adolescents uh, curb this have the statistics go down
1: the one thing that that I think we fail to do uh, is in the education system and by that I mean our approach for years and decades has been um, a just just say no attitude so we will, tell teenagers that drugs are bad for them. We'll tell them that they're illegal. We might have a school assembly and we bring in a law enforcement official who talks to them. None of that means anything to teenagers. They don't care about it. They don't believe it to begin with. But what I noticed did make a difference was when I started to talk to them about the neuroscience because they're curious about their brain. They want to know how their brain works. They want to know what the brain does. Even as early as middle school and elementary school, they're very curious. They want to learn. So the approach that I would take would be a neuroscience approach. I would teach them about the brain. I would teach them what the brain does, what the different areas of the brain are responsible for. We have an area of the brain that helps us talk. We have an area of the brain that helps us uh, walk and 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 in and, and other areas. And then once they had a good understanding of how important the brain was and what it does, then I would introduce how drugs work in the brain so that they could draw that connection between the importance of the brain and what it does and drugs and what they do to the brain. And it was almost like a light bulb would go on. Then they understood, wow, this stuff really affects my brain. It has the potential to damage my brain. That approach, which is founded in education, is a lot more effective than simply telling kids that drugs are bad they're not going to work and they're going to do bad things to them because they discount that. Right. So if we're going to change over the long term how we're going to change how we're going to change adolescent substance abuse we need to do it through the education system. We need an education approach that helps children starting from elementary school through high school learn the impo- importance of protecting their brain and then learn what these drugs can do to that brain.
0: Because it's just like if you tell a kid not to do something, what are they going to do?
1: They're going
0: to, they're going to figure out a way to do it. And and I was just listening to another um, author on a podcast just this week and he was like, yeah, if you tell them no, they're going to go and and seek it out and find it. You, that's (laughs) not going to, you know, be the answer for them. And if you tell them why or how it impacts them that they can control that, you got to give them that sense of ownership. And with that understanding, then it flips it to educating them for what they can choose themselves because of the effects that it's going to have on them. So, yeah, exactly. that's, that's that's exactly what, what they were saying as well. And then it was interesting that the pre- prescribed use of medications for ADHD rose significantly in 2022.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, and we think that that's attributable to the fact that, again, kids were at home kids were staying at home. Many parents were staying at home and working, you know, from home. And what we think is it allowed parents to pick up on the fact that their child might have an attention deficit or a learning disorder because they, they observed them more being at home. Yeah. And, and and then when they observed that, they saw, they sought out medical attention, which mm-hmm. then led to an increase in the prescription drugs for ADHD. So I think the fact that Um, that these kids were confined to home a lot more, parents might have been able to pick up on some of these cues that their child might be struggling with learning or attention and then sought out medical attention, which then led to them being on prescribed drugs. And that's why we saw such a significant increase in the prescription drugs.
0: Yeah, because what was it, 11% in 2021, up to 15% in 2022. Yeah. And then I'm going to shift... Let's shift to our next topic. Um, and now there's this new emerging problem of teen gambling. Okay, yeah. tell us more about that.
1: Well, what we know and what the data will tell us is that four to five percent of kids between the ages of, I think it's twelve and seventeen, meet one or more of the criteria for having a gambling problem. Okay, four to five percent in that age range. If we look at the high school population. Um, we know that 60 to 80% of high school students report having gambled for money during the past year. 60 to 80%. And four to 6% of those students are considered to be pathological gamblers already. Um, and the other thing we note is that boys more than girls are likely to, to gamble and experience gambling problems, but we're starting to become a little bit more aware that this could be a growing problem among girls as well. Right now, it's predominantly boys, but girls are getting more interested in it too. So, um, Rick,
0: Rick, where are they doing this? Online?
1: A lot of it is online with online gambling. You know, you see that advertised even now with sports events and things like that. And there are, you know, there are gambling sites that you can download onto your on your phone or your computer and 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 make wagers. Uh, So some of it is is. Sports betting. Some of it is just gambling. Uh, some of it would be, you know, kids getting together, maybe playing cards for money. So all different types of uh, of gambling. But I think. With the advent of, of a lot of online gambling now, I think that's increased the the allure of teenagers being able to get online on their phone uh, or their computer, uh, download the app, and then uh, start, start playing for money.
0: Wow. And what if a parent's listening and probably some parents will be in shock to realize that their kid is gambling and or... Know that this is even a problem in teens yeah. right now. And so right. what if one of our listeners knows of or finds out their kid's gambling? What, what, what is your rec- recommendation and steps for them?
1: I think, first of all, be aware of what some of the warning signs are. You know, some of the warning signs are your child starts selling some of their personal property you know, just just selling it for money or borrows money and doesn't pay it back. That's another warning sign. Or has large amounts of cash that seem a little bit unusual that the kid has come across this, this large amount of money or has a great deal of debt um, or strangers keep calling on the phone. Uh, so those are some warning signs that as a parent should just sort of our curiosity and our interest. And again, we go back to the child and we approach it from a curiosity point of view as you're observing these things. Can they help you understand why you might be concerned about that? Um, and, and there are some forms of gambling that, that I don't think you need to be too concerned about, you know, if as long as you're paying attention to it. So if, you're, if your child has uh, some of their friends come over and they have a little game of cards and maybe they're playing a little bit for money, uh, as long as you're observing, you know paying attention to it and it's not getting out of hand and involves a large amount of money and things like that. It's more of a game or or, or, or a um, an activity that they're doing more for just entertainment then it's probably not too concerning. Um, I'm not saying that all gambling is is bad some of it under parent supervision can be, you know, a a pastime. Um, But you do need to be concerned that it has the potential, always has the potential of getting carried away and becoming more serious.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Was there any more data you wanted to share on that?
1: No, I think that uh, you know, just be aware that this is a problem among certain kids, not a large percentage. We're not talking large percentages, but for some kids, this can this can be a problem that if it's not addressed can can become even more serious as the child goes through um late adolescence and even into high school or and in, in, in adulthood.
0: And are they saying what age group um most most teens or or is it more teenagers or what age?
1: I think it's probably more the high school population, um, you know, than than younger kids. So I think I think a child is more vulnerable the older they get, and, and 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 as they go through high school, particularly like junior, senior year of high school, when they're more likely to come in contact with peers that might be gambling. Mm-hmm.
0: And and what are the effects, and or what kind of treatment uh, would you say is is usually provided?
1: Well, unless it's a, a serious pathological gambling, which I don't think you're going to see very often in the adolescent population, there's a very small percentage of, of kids that perhaps are pathological gamblers, but it's a very, very small percentage. I, I think that, you know, that, that it goes back to the parent being aware of the issue and talking to the child about the issue, setting limits and setting boundaries, um, just so that it doesn't get uh, carried out of hand.
0: Mm, that's so helpful thanks for that, Rick. Um, and is there is there anything you lastly you would like to say to our listeners today?
1: I would say that when it comes to substance abuse, that um, don't become paranoid, don't become frightened of this issue. Learn as much as you can about it so that you feel prepared if you have to deal with it. You hope you don't have to deal with it. But if you do, you you feel prepared. You know what to do. Be aware of what's out there on the street. Understand that all kids... Every child is vulnerable to getting captured by drugs, but that knowledge is power. And the more that you know about this, the more you know about the warning signs, the the more you know uh, what treatment options are available, then you feel more confident as a parent that if you have to address this issue, you can address it in a way that helps you feel comfortable and prepared. And that's the best that a parent can do. Know what the warning signs are, have a plan in place, hope you don't have to deal with it. But if you do, feel prepared and confident that you can deal with this issue and help your child and your family.
0: Thank you, Rick. And how can someone find and follow you?
1: Um, Go to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com. Help the addictedchild.com there's some blog articles that parents might find helpful there's one on uh, you know adolescent substance abuse there's a, a short little paper on 10 questions that you can ask your child uh, to check in on their mental health um, and there's a link that'll take you to um, to Amazon where you can purchase the book if you want, as either a Kindle or or a paperback. And I would encourage every parent to get a copy of the book. It's only about 100 pages. It's a quick read. But hopefully, after reading it, you'll feel more confident, less afraid, and more prepared to deal with this issue. And uh, just keep it on your bookshelf as as a reference.
0: That's awesome for yourself and for someone you know, because you never know. Yeah, right? right. Yeah. yeah,
1: might might be able to help somebody else, uh, some other family with it. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Rick. Appreciate you joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much, Karen.
0: Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.